0: Do you ever realize that, that what we need is in this, in this book that God has provided for us? There's so much in here. And so many times we think our hope lies in coming on a Sunday morning and somebody just speaking some great words of encouragement to you and you walk out of here. Listen, you can't, you can't expect to make it through life as a believer, a follower of Christ and not spend time in God's Word because this is the key, guys. This is the key. This is it. Um. It's not enough to come on a Sunday morning and, and leave with a few verses to go home. You've got to stay in it. You've got to eat it. You've got to just absorb yourself in it. Because I promise you this, the time will come when you don't know which way to turn. And have you ever had a time in your life when you felt like God wasn't attentive to maybe what was going on in your life? Have you ever had a time that was going on in your life... And you felt like God wasn't responding the way that you wanted him to respond. Anybody ever had that happen? Maybe it was in reference to a sickness. Maybe it was in reference to a job. But I just don't feel like, God, you hear when I'm 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 crying out to you. I'm pouring my heart, but I just don't feel like you're hearing me. God, are you there? See, some of you may feel that way, but you're afraid to acknowledge that you feel that way because you think that the person next to you might think that you're less of a believer, right? Man, I felt that way. I felt that way many a time. And if you're going through that time, it's good to be able to go to church. And if you sort of acknowledge that you're going through that time, you ever had somebody say, well, let me tell you why... Why? Because see, the reason that you're going through that time and God is seeming so far away from you, the reason that God seems so distant from you, that He seems to be absent, the reason, Tom, is that you don't have enough faith. See, because if you had enough faith, God would be responding, but you just don't have enough faith. Or somebody sitting next to you could have said this, well, you just aren't praying enough. Or maybe you've got unconfessed sin in your life. <laughs> But the reality is when you go through a time like that, it's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy sometimes to, to fall into doubt. It's really easy to come to a place that you really just... Is there really even a God? Be honest, guys. Be honest. Um, I mean, it's maybe when you're going through a time of doubt... Maybe when you're going through a difficult time and you don't feel like God is responding, you're doing everything that you know that you can to cry out to God. And there always seems to be that other person that's, that's around you, and it seems like their life is just going perfect. They don't ever seem to have any problems. There never seems to be any marriage issues going on. never seems to be any financial issues. Their kids are just just, man, they're just perfect. And these are the type of people that have the ability to pull into a parking lot and they'll announce to you, well, you know, God is so good because this past week I was parked out at Winn-Dixie and I just said, oh, God, I don't want to park in the back of the parking lot. I want a place up front. And don't you know that God heard my prayers? And you're thinking, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, don't you understand that I'm battling with this or I'm dealing with this or somebody in my family is... And God, how in the world can you answer a prayer like that and then leave me over here hanging? It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. So how do we respond when God doesn't seem to respond the way we want Him to respond? How do we respond when we cry out to God and He doesn't seem to give us the answer that we want? What we're going to do over the next few weeks, we're going to take and we're going to look at that. And what I want to do is I want to go through some 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 characters that we find in God's word and I want to some people that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves them. And what I want to do is I want to take you back and I want to let you see a season or a time in their life when God didn't respond to them the way that they felt like maybe God should respond and I want to I want to I want to I want to take you back because I know that there are some of you that need to be encouraged because you're doing battle right now with even if there is a God because of what you're going through. And man, I know it's so true because it's, it's been amazing over the past several weeks as I've sat down and I've been thinking, I've been working through this, the number of people that have come to me feeling as if God was absent in the midst of their circumstances. So I know God's already prepared this for somebody's heart. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. So what I want to do right now is I want you to turn to of Scripture in Mark. Mark is... Uh, Mark is in the New Testament. It's in the second half of the Bible. If you're, if you're here and you're not used to going to, to a place in the Bible, maybe the person next to you would be able to help you out. But Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's a part of what we call the Gospels, the good news. It tells us about the story, the life of Jesus himself. Mark would be the second book <clears throat> that we find there in the Gospels. And we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture just a few minutes in Mark chapter 6. So if you want to turn there, that might be extremely her- uh, helpful but this is what I want you to nail down during this series as we're going to be talking that when you walk through a difficult time or you walk through a season in life that you're crying out to God and he doesn't seem to be answering you the way that you think that he should answer I want you to nail down during this series even though he isn't responding that way the way I feel like he needs to respond When you walk out of this series in a few weeks, I want you to be able to go, there is no doubt in my mind that even though what I'm going through, I know that God's there. I know that he's involved and I know that he cares. So I want you to be able to nail that down during this series. So let's start out today. Let me tell you a story and then we're going to I'll go back and read some of it, but let me tell you a story of a character that we're going to find inside of this story today. There was a guy by the name of Herod, Herod the Great. He was called Herod the Great not necessarily because he was a great guy, but because he was a great builder. Herod was a very, very nasty, nasty, hateful, bitter individual. He was placed in leadership over the Jews, not because he was Jewish, but because he was put in that position by Roman leadership. And his responsibility was basically to govern the Jews during that time. Um, Herod was a very mean individual. Um, he was not he would not be the guy that you want showing up your, at your family reunion if you know what I'm talking about uh, It was nothing for him to pick off a couple of family members In other words, they even go back and say in scriptures that he murdered a couple of his wives and other family members So if you were married to him, you'd want to sleep with one eye open just in case But he was a nasty nasty guy. this is the same Herod that we talk about and see and find in Matthew chapter 2 when the when the uh, when the wise man came looking for this newborn baby king of the Jews. And he got so aggravated and, and, uh, and upset and, and, uh, and, and enraged by the fact that there might be another potential leader that would challenge his leadership. So what he did is he sent out his soldiers, if you remember this, to go into the city and to murder every, born, every baby boy two years and below. You remember that story? This is the same guy. Um, This is the same king that when he got close to his death, he called his soldiers and he said, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to go into the area around Galilee and I want you to put in prison all the leaders that you find. I want you to bring them, take them to Jericho, and I want you to put them in prison because in a few days I'm not going to be here. But when I die, what I want you to do is I want you to murder every one of them because when I die, I want there to be mourning in the streets. That's pretty intense, isn't it? When he died, those that were soldiers didn't kill the ones that they had put in prison, but what they did is they went and released them and there was great celebrations in the streets because King Herod was now dead. After Herod died, there was a what the Roman leadership realized is that they had given too much power to one guy, so they split the kingdom they split it down they gave a portion of it to one of his sons by the name of Herod Archelaus they gave another portion of it to his son a son by the name of Herod Antipas and then he also had another son by the name of Herod Philippi now Archelaus didn't stay in leadership very long because he was a real poor leader Antipas um, was a great guy stayed in 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 leadership for a period of time but Philip they didn't give him any leadership or authority over a place but he still had the king's riches and the king's wealth and possessions are you with me? Herod also had a niece by the name of Herodias. She ended up marrying King or Herod Philip. They had a daughter by the name of Salome. So let's sort of re- think about this for a second. You got King Herod. You've got sons Archelaus, Antipas, Philippi. You've got a niece by the name of Herodias who married Philip who ended up having a daughter by the name of Salome? Are you guys with me? Stay tuned as the world turns. <laughs> so anyway, one day, Antipas goes to Philip's house. And while he's there, Herodias comes over to him and said, Listen, baby, <laughs> you one foxy dude. I want to go home with you. So when Antipas left the house of Philip, his brother, that day, guess what he took with him? He took Siloam, and he also took Herodias, and they went home. And life went on until this guy by the name of John the Baptist showed up. Remember John the Baptist, who just happened to be the cousin of Jesus, who would be the one that the Bible says would prepare the way for the Lord. And John the Baptist came preaching this message message about repentance. Now, John the Baptist wasn't your usual guy. The Bible says that he ate locusts and honey, wild honey. Now, Bill, what you tasted the other day was wild honey. Now, it's not the honey that I will will bottle up and give to people like John Johnson. Now, have you tasted that honey? Was it good? Bill, how was the honey that you stuck in your mouth the other day? It was nasty, wasn't it? (laughs) I had this guy that called me and he said, Listen, man, I've got some bees that have sort of taken up in this place. Can you come check them out? And so I did. I went and checked them out, and they were some wild bees. And they, over a period of time, had uh, basically they they were just wild bees. And it was nasty, 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 dark, dark, dark honey. So when you read here, he ate locusts and honey, we think, oh, well, honey, man, that's pretty good, sweet stuff. You're thinking what you buy in the store. Listen, I think what he had was, I think what the writer was trying to say, listen, this joker was a bad dude because, Bill, you didn't have a lot of that at honey, did you? Matter of fact, you put it in your mouth and you spit it right back out and you go, this is gross. You didn't taste it all. I didn't taste it at all because I knew what it tasted like. <laughs> <clears throat> so he ate locusts and he ate wild honey and he had a, had a, 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 a his clothing was made of, of dead animal skin. It was nasty. I mean, so this guy just didn't come on the scene wearing khaki pants, a polo, and wearing Old Spice. I mean, he was a pretty rough-looking dude, yet God had used this man to prepare the way of the Lord. And the message I said that he, that he preached was repent and turn from sin. And believe it or not, that message didn't go too well with the the girl by the name of Herodias. And why do you think that she would have been so rebellious towards John's message? Why do you think she didn't like what John had to say? She felt like she was being judged. I mean, who is he to judge? Basically, she called him out, or he called her out. He said, listen, I just want you to know that what you're doing is wrong. You're living in sin. She didn't like that. Anybody ever like somebody to call you out for living in sin? What's your first response? This woman was pretty tough, though, because because John confronted the sin. Herodias wanted him dead. Now, this put... Antipas in a pretty difficult position because he knew that one of his responsibilities as the king, one of the responsibilities he had was to keep peace with the Jews, and he knew that if he were to murder, if he were to take the life of John the Baptist, that it would cause an uproar in the life of the Jews because they believed that he was sent by God and he was God's messenger. So what did you think about all of that? Yet here's Herodias breathing down his neck saying, I want you to kill him. I want you to get rid of him. I want you to now look with me in Mark chapter six, and let's sort of go back and relive some of what I've told you in the scriptures as we make our way towards the story that we're going to be telling today. Of how should we respond when God doesn't make sense? Here's what it says in Mark chapter six. It says verse 17. For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been, she had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. It wasn't just against uh, Greek law or Roman law. It was against God's law, the Jewish law. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John, knowing that he was a good and holy man. He protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. So whatever the reason, what Herod did was he put him in prison. He's trying to, you ever tried to appease your wife? I don't need to say anything else. So he puts, he's like thinking, what's the best solution for me to do? He said, instead of killing him, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put him in prison. But I really like the guy, so I'm going to talk to the guy from time to time. So he would send his soldiers down to get him, and he would bring him back, and he would sit down and talk to him, and John would talk to him about what it meant to repent and to turn to God. So they would have these conversations and this is what, this is what would take place as he, as he preached to him. Herod Antipas would listen. He would listen. And as crazy as he thought he was, this is what he knew. The man didn't deserve death. So here's the situation. John's been sent by God preach a message of repentance and to announce the coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God, by the way, who would take away the sins of the world. And John even said to those that followed him, because in the middle of John preaching, John's beginning to collect these people that are starting to walk alongside of him and say, man, you're really somebody special. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, even went to John and asked him, are you the Messiah? And John said, no. He said, man, I'm not the the Messiah. As a matter of fact, I'm not even capable of of tying the sandals of the ones that will come after me. He's the Messiah. And so here's John, the faithful God, doing what God wanted him to do. Yet where was John? Where was he at? He was in prison. Here's John being the faithful servant that God had called him to do. He was being faithful, and yet he finds himself in prison. You can imagine what John's probably thinking And man if I'm doing the right thing if I'm being so faithful if I'm doing what God's called me to do why in the world am I sitting my fanny in prison if God loves me so much and I'm doing the right thing and I'm being obedient why am I sitting in prison suffering while in prison John would have people that would come and talk to him from time to time and so what they were coming in and telling John they would not only come in and take care of him and talk to him and be his friend Man, thankful for those who go in to do prison ministry. I got a letter last night from a guy in prison. I've been communicating with him back and forth. And he always tells me, thank you so much for being a word of encouragement. So John had some guys that were his buddies that served in prison ministry, and they went to see him. And in the midst of their conversations, John would talk to him and say, tell, tell me what's going on. And they would tell John, man, listen, let me tell you something. This Jesus guy that you're you're announcing, he's doing some unbelievable things. Unbelievable things that are taking place. And I can imagine John, the cousin, sitting in prison. If he's doing some great things, has he all forgotten about me? Has he forgotten about me? And if you've ever been at that place, wouldn't you believe, wouldn't you begin to think, could there not have been just an inkling of questioning that was going on in John's life? Was he doing the right thing? Was Jesus really who he said that he was? One day, John asked some of his buddies, said, listen, I hear what you're telling me, but I want you to go and ask Jesus a question, because I'm really struggling right now. I want you to go and I want you to ask Jesus something because I've got something I've just got to settle right now and I want you to turn over now from Mark where you are turn over to the book of Matthew Matthew chapter 11 you're going to go back one book and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11 and let's pick this up because there's something that John asked his disciples his followers his buddies to go and ask Jesus and let's see what he said Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. This is what it said. John the Baptist, who was in prison, by the way, heard all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. And look at the question he sends for them to ask him. Verse 3. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? Woo! Did you hear that? Let me read it for you again. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? John was the one that was sent by God to announce the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Himself. So what in the world do you think that John was asking? What do you think John is asking? What do you think is going on in John's heart? Did I miss something? Did I get this right? Are you really the Messiah, Jesus? Or did I make a mistake? (laughs) If you're really the Messiah, this is what he was saying. If you're really the Messiah, then why in the world am I sitting in this crazy prison? That's what he was saying. If you're really the Messiah, why am I spending my time here instead of out there? If you're really the Messiah, why aren't you here? Because you're my flesh and blood. You're my kinfolk. I mean, if you love them so much, it it would seem that you would love me even more. Are you really the Messiah? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we be looking for someone else? You know, it's interesting how our circumstances change things, isn't it? It's amazing how our circumstances change things whether it be for the good or for the bad changes impact our faith and our confidence in God and see, you know exactly what I'm talking about because if you got a pay raise this week all of a sudden God's good yeah I mean if you got some negative news back for some for some tests that you were uh some physical tests and all of a sudden they came back and said listen man there was a mistake you don't have any heart problems man God's alive God's well but what happens if it's not good news? What happens if your wife leaves you? What happens if you lose your job? Or what happens if your kid gets put into a place that they're trying to treat him for drugs and alcohol? It's amazing how the changes in our circumstances, our environment, can have so much of an impact on our belief. That if God is so real, why in the world would He allow this to take place? You know, pain affects our faith, doesn't it? Pain and suffering affects our faith. So here's John, the guy that introduced Jesus. Now he's in prison. And all of a sudden, now he's doubting. And he sends a message to Jesus to say, Are you really the Messiah? Or should we keep looking? So when the guys ask Jesus the question, look at what Jesus responds, how he responds to him in verse 4. Listen, I want you to go back and tell John. I want you to go back to John and tell him what you've heard and what you have seen. So I want you to go back and I want you to tell John what you've heard and what you've seen. Because see, John's in prison right now and John can't see what's going on on the outside. John can't see the miracles that are taking place over here. So what I want you to do is I want you to go back. See, John can't see behind the pain. He can't see beyond the prison doors. And what I want you guys to do, I want you to gather together. I want you to go back and tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. And I want you to tell John what I am doing on the outside. Look at what he says to go back and tell him in verse 5. The blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cured and the deaf hear and the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. I want you to write all this stuff down. I want you to take it back to John. And I want you to tell him. And by the way, listen, when you take, this, take what, all this stuff back to John and you tell him, this is what I want you to finish telling him. Look at what he says. And tell him this, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. That don't make an awful lot of sense. What do you mean, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me? You mean to tell me that God might allow us to walk through a time that would cause me to stumble? You mean that God would allow me to walk through a time in life or a season in life or a circumstance in life that might cause me to falter? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who doesn't stumble or fall away because of me. Blessed is the man who doesn't get distracted. Blessed is the man who doesn't get discouraged or lose confidence or fall away when I don't respond the way that that they think that I should. See, this is what we think, guys. You don't say it, but this is what you think. Bad things happen to... And good things happen to... Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. And the reason that you're going through what you're going through is because you're a bad person. Shame on you. The reason God's blessing them is because they're being a good person. Blessings, blessings, blessings. You mean to tell me that God would allow me to walk through something that might be difficult because he's doing something that's much larger than what I can see? It don't make sense. Well, maybe Jesus just didn't like John. Maybe there was a silent thing that was going on between him and cuz, and there were some problems. Verse 11. Jesus said, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. There were some pretty doggone good guys and ladies that had lived up until that time. And here's Jesus coming back and saying, No, let me tell you something. Out of all the people that have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. But he is so great that I'm going to allow him to stay in prison. But while he's there, I want you to go back. And I want you to tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. I want you to go back and tell him all these things. And tell him not to lose faith. Tell him not to give up just because I'm not responding the way that he thinks that I should respond. Now see, this is hitting home for some of you guys because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And here, can you believe this is in the Bible? Howdy bum, Steve. This is in the Bible. This This is the story. John's in prison, hadn't done anything wrong. It wasn't because he lacked a prayer life, and it wasn't because he lacked faith, and he wasn't there because of some type of unconfessed sin, but he was there because God was doing something. He was doing something. And this is what I want you to hear and write this little thing down. The circumstances or the situations that we are experiencing in life right now does not dictate or not dictate God's love. See, the circumstances that you may be walking through right now, what you may be experiencing is not necessarily an indicator of God's love because God's love, is, that picture has already been painted 2,000 years ago, guys. He doesn't need to come back and repaint it. He's already painted that picture. It's already there. God has proven His love by what took place on the cross when Jesus died there. And what we're walking through right now isn't necessarily a demonstration of the fact that God loves us or God doesn't loves us, doesn't love us. So Jesus sends the Word to John and He says, the guy by the way that he happened to love so much and care so much about, and He says this, blessed is the man that don't stumble because of me. So if I'm not supposed to stumble, if I'm not supposed to falter, if I'm not supposed to be filled with doubt, if I'm not supposed to to fall down and give up, When I'm walking through a difficult time when God shouldn't, when God isn't responding the way that I think He should respond, well, how in the world should I should should I respond? What should I do? What should I do? A couple of things you might want to write down. A couple of things that I think that Jesus shared in the midst of his when he was telling them to go back, two things that I think that are really important. That when you're facing a difficult time and it seems that God is absent. And it seems that God isn't responding the way that you want Him to respond. Number one, look back and remember. For those of us that are believers, look back and remember. Because you know what? It's so easy to forget things of the past, isn't it? That was one of the reasons that in the Old Testament God set up monuments. He set up up ways for them to remember the great things that God had done were feasts or festivals or monuments. There were things that the Israelite people could look back and remember God's faithfulness and His provision. And they tell the stories of the shepherds sitting around the fire at night and something would take place. And I can imagine the conversations. These happen all the time today. So here are the shepherds sitting around and God said, Man, I'm just really struggling today. And the old shepherd brings his staff out and says, man, let me tell you what, though, God's real. Well, how do you know that? Man, let me go back and tell you. See this thing I got on my staff? I had etched these words. And I had etched this little thing in my staff because this is the time right here when I thought there was no hope. But this right here reminds me, this is the story, man. This is the, this is the story when we didn't have anything else to eat and we, eat, and we kept saying, well, God, if you're there, you're going to provide for us. And man, God provided. Or this is the time when we were being attacked and man, this is what God did. And they would go back and they would remember and recount the greatness of who God is. You know, it's so easy to forget things of the past. You know, now having three kids that are 11, 9, and 7, it's easy to go back and forget the 12 years of infertility that Meredith and I dealt with. For the person that's here today that has a job, that's paying, that you got some benefits, it's hard to go back and maybe remember where you were because it's a thing of the past. And He says, I want you to go back and I want you to look back and I want you to remember because in the midst of your circumstances, it may be difficult to remember. But look back. God was real then and He's real now. And just because He isn't giving me what I want and just because He's not responding to me the way that I think you should respond, it doesn't mean that God isn't there and it doesn't mean that God doesn't care. Look back and remember. The second thing. Look outside your circumstance. Because when you're in the middle of the prison and the doors are locked and the chains are on, sometimes it's hard to see what God is doing. See, some of you are in bondage right now and you can't see what God's doing because you're in prison. You're in prison. What Jesus said, listen, I want you to I want you to look outside the prison walls. And he tells the guys that come to him, I want you to go back and I want you to tell John what you've heard and what you've seen. And one of the greatest, greatest encouragements that we have as believers is man being able to share the stories of God's greatness of what's taking place in our lives. And there are some of you in here that God has done some great things this week. And you know what? You don't need to keep your mouth shut. But you need to tell people. Because why? Because those words of encouragement, they spur people on. And there might be somebody right now that's on the verge of divorce or might somebody right now that's on the verge of just going under. And you know what? You don't ever know by what you've experienced. You bring in a word of testimony saying, let me just tell you what God's done. How that might encourage somebody to hold on. To hold on. And He tells the guys to go back and you tell him what you've heard and what you've seen. And I want you to do that. And I want you to encourage Him to hold on and remain faithful and not be tempted to give up. Now, you know, the, the unique thing about this story, we would think, okay, this is when Jesus is going to come riding in on a white stag and He's going to rescue John the Baptist. I mean, isn't that the way that the story tale ends? It's not what happens here. Herod has a birthday. There's a great celebration. Herodias sends Salome to go dance. So she goes and dance. The guys are probably drunk probably having a great party. And at the end of all that that hoop-rah that was going on, he looks at her and, and he says, listen, that was such an awesome job. I just want to tell you this, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. So Salome goes back to her mother And she says, you're not going to believe what the king said. He said, I can have anything that I want. He was so pleased with what I did. He said, listen, I'll give you whatever you want. What riches, what land, you tell me, it's yours. Herodias, bitter, angry, nasty, conviction. What do you think she wants? I want John the Baptist's head. So she goes back and she tells Herod, that's what I want. For whatever the reason, if he was drunk, if he was just filled with pride and, 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 and not willing to, to say no, he gives in, he sends his soldiers down, they bring John the Baptist's head back on a platter and he was killed. That's not the way the story's supposed to end, guys. That surely doesn't seem like God responded the way that John wanted him to respond. That's just the reality. And it seemed like God wasn't there, didn't it? And it wasn't long after that, a guy by the name of Jesus himself, Jesus himself would be betrayed, arrested, tried, beaten, and eventually crucified. Yet God did nothing to stop it. But was God there? He was there. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about that story. 2,000 years later, we are still talking about what took place at that time. Because this is what we need to hear. God's inactivity, or His not responding, or not responding the way that we think He should respond doesn't correlate with His love. But when we feel that God isn't doing what we think He should do, or responding the way that we think that He should be respond, responding, What we need to hear in the midst of this is instead of running from God, run to Him. Run to Him and reflect, number one, on the things of the past as well as look around to what God's doing right now. And this is the message. Blessed is the man who doesn't stumble because of me. See, just because God's absent or silent doesn't mean that God's absent because he's there. And in the midst of this whole series, this is what I want us to grab hold of, guys. There are going to be those times when you feel that God isn't there. There are going to be those times when you feel like God doesn't hear. There are going to be those times when you feel like God isn't responding, that he doesn't care. But that's your feelings. And what I want you to come to learn to understand and hold on to during this series is that God does love us. And just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's absent. He's there. If God would allow one of the greatest men that ever lived to be in prison and face a death like that, don't you think That God's involved wherever you are Wow That's only one story Only one story, but there's some more to come and I promise you if you listen God's gonna speak to you What should I do? Whatever circumstance you're in right now whatever circumstance you're dealing with or you're facing God might be silent But he's not absent If you're here today and you're dealing with some stuff, listen. Remember the words. Look back and remember. Remember God's provision. Remember His protection. Remember. Remember. Also look outside the prison walls to see what God's doing. Don't run from Him, but run to Him. See, if you're a believer here today, this is what we all know. You may not be in the midst of a conflict, but it's always coming. Right? There's always one right around the corner. So don't sit here like you've got it all together, guys. But if you're a believer and you know somebody's struggling and you know somebody's dealing with difficulty, what should our response as believers be? To run from them or run to them? That's that's sort of like a participation type question. When somebody is dealing with something, is our response, should it be to run from them or to them? And why is that? Why should we run to them? That's right. What else? They need that strength. They don't, they're weak. They that's right. You don't ever know when you might be in that position and you might be the one that's needing encouragement. <clears throat> There's a passage of Scripture in John. I'll read it really quickly. I want to ask you to turn there as we finish up. John chapter 8, verse 31, he said this, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Are you with me? If you hold on to my teachings, then you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. If you hold on. But when you're going through difficulty, it's a whole lot easier to let go. And when somebody's going through difficulty, it's a whole lot easier for somebody in the church just to let them go. Because you ain't got time and you don't want to go through the stress and you don't want to go through the difficulty and you don't want anybody accusing you of what might be going on. You just is a whole lot easier to let them go, but that's not the church, guys, is it? So who do you know right now that might be dealing with an issue or dealing with something, a circumstance in life that you might even need to go to today? And say, listen, I'm not letting go. Because God's not let go. But I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to be your encouragement, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do, and I'm going to use the the stuff that I've dealt with in life because I'm going to help you look back, and I'm going to tell you what I've heard and I've seen because just because God is silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Will you bow with me? Father, what a great day today. And as we're here, I'm so reminded that there are some of us in this room that need to go to the phone. You need to make a phone call. You need to send a text. You need to go to somebody's house this afternoon because you've given up on somebody. You might know that somebody's dealing with something, but you today, the Holy Spirit is impressed upon you, Father, just to make a move. If that's you today, be faithful in that. There's some here that are in this room that are struggling to the point that they can't even see beyond the prison doors that they're... they're they're, they're caught in, they're in bondage to. Help us, Father, to, to bring a word of what we've seen and what we've heard. Help us to help them look back and to remember the faithfulness of God. Use us to lift their arms, and they can't lift their arms. Yet there are some in this room that are at a place they've never trusted you. It's not about holding on to. It's the fact they've never held on, period. Our trust isn't in finances and it's not in homes and it's not in people and it's not in jobs and it's not in IRAs or 401s or whatever it may be. Our trust does not lie there. Our only trust, our only hope lies in the good news that comes as a result of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if there's some here, Father, the beginning of that relationship begins when we acknowledge the fact that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves, and we cry out to you and say, God, I desire to not only know you, but I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me and to make me whole. So if there are those that are here today that do not have that relationship, Father, may it begin today with somebody acknowledging their sin and crying out and saying, I need Jesus. And they can do that right there where they are. It's not a simple, not a simple prayer that somebody prays, but it's an acknowledgement of sin and an acknowledgement of where true hope lies. So if you're here today and you've made that decision, please come to me today and say, I just want you to know today I made a decision that I want to follow Christ and I want to grow in my relationship with you. Father, thank you for your word that sends us messages like this that as we listen, Father, we can be encouraged and be spurred on. That your word is alive and it's active. May we not just be satisfied with coming on Sunday mornings. May that be not, may that not be the only amount of nourishment that we receive. But God, may we constantly dig into your to your to your to your word. And Father, look intently and hold on to the truth because. It's the truth that sets us free. Thank you for this day. And as we leave, this is what I pray. I pray that we leave here with something that will encourage us in our walk. I pray for those that don't know Christ, that, Father, they would come to that place quickly, quickly to acknowledge you. But may you send us out today to make a difference in the world here in which we live, in which we work, in which we play. May we not be about doing more church, but, Father, may we be about being the church. Father, what I pray is we'd more, be more interested in what and how we live instead of what other people think. Help us become more like you. That's what I pray. And may the words of heritage, the legacy that we lived, may it be, man, those people are different. And I know they're different because I see how they live and I see how they love and I see how they care. There's a world out there that's waiting and looking to see that. May they see it in us. In Jesus' name, amen.